Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source of news, interviews and comments on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TCT Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Davis, and on today's episode, we welcome Alloy Enterprises CEO, Ali Forsyth. Alloy Enterprises is among several startup companies offering novel metal additive manufacturing technologies through a business model that sells parts rather than machines. In this episode, Forsyth details the motivation behind Alloy Enterprises, explains the proprietary selective diffusion bonding technology, and describes how the process can compete with aluminium casting. She also touches on the industry adoption of the technology and provides insights on the company's plans to scale. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more additive insight, head on over to tstmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print edition of TCT Magazine and our weekly additive insight newsletter for free. Ali, welcome to the Additive Insight podcast. How are you doing? Has it been a busy week? It's been a very busy and a very exciting week here at Alloy. Thanks for having me today, Sam. No worries. So I understand that Alloy Enterprises was founded uh, in 2020 to deliver um, an aluminium additive manufacturing technology that can yield parts at high volumes for you know, industrial applications. So can you start by explaining how this business venture came about? Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking, Sam. So um, I've been a, uh, an entrepreneur uh, here in the Boston area for uh, many years. And um, yeah, I uh, was aware of just the sort of the, the benefits and, and the technology and the advancement of 3D printing and additive manufacturing. Um, but I, going back several years, uh, found myself at Desktop Metal, uh, where I met one of my co-founders, Nick Mikulovich. So he and I had an incredible experience there, uh, working to get the studio product line, the first product line out onto the market. And so after we moved on from that experience, having learned uh, an incredible amount, we started to take a hard look at the market and just kept coming back to the need for aluminum, uh, aluminum components, aluminum components at, at scale. And so we, you know, got reports from customers of two-year lead times uh, for cast aluminum components. That's just simply not the speed of innovation. And we took a hard look at all the technologies available for uh, specifically for aluminum. It's a really challenging material to work with, to print, to weld, to bond. And we didn't uh, see anything that could have uh, become cost-effective and really scale to address the problem of medium volume casting and, and uh, addressing that need. Uh, so the void in capacity. And so we, uh, you know, rolled up our sleeves and uh, ended up uh, developing an entirely new material process and technology uh, to address the problem. So at what point in your career had you started to work with, with additive technologies? So for me, going back to, uh, I'd say 2016, uh, but my co-founder Nick has spent his entire career in additive manufacturing and 3D printing. So he's okay. the guy that uh, falls asleep at night to the hum of stepper motors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you mentioned that you two met at, uh, while you were both working for, for Desktop Metal. And I gather probably at that time, Desktop Metal was probably still in like the startup phase. As we know, Desktop Metal now, it's one of the largest companies um, in the AM space. So 
What were your kind of experiences and learnings at Desktop Metal, um, both for you and Nick? Yeah, I mean, I'd say generally we, we just learned an incredible amount um, and got a, a great amount of exposure uh, and, you know, learned some hard lessons about developing a novel technology um, uh, in the uh, the earlier stages of that company. So. Mm-hmm. And so at what point, um, you know, kind of along your 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 career path and next, did did you start to realize that, you know, Alloy Enterprises, your own business was, was going to become a thing that you were going to go down that path? And, and I guess what, what were the big challenges that you were looking to, to address as you started to, to formulate the business? Yeah, a great question. So Alloy is actually my seventh uh, hard tech startup. So I've been in the ecosystem for, for quite some time uh, in different, looking to solve different hard tech uh, problems and challenges. And I think the number one, you know, there's no reason to, to create a new startup or a new venture uh, or develop a new technology unless there's fundamentally a, a problem uh, that needs to be solved. Uh, and it needs to be a big problem and, and with a potential large opportunity if, if you're successful in solving that for, for the customers. And so... Um, uh, most of our most of the path forward for us was really about having identified the significant problem of medium volume casting and how we address that was thinking about fundamentally cost and scale as two main driving factors and as we move forward in defining what our product would be how we would uh, supply components to, and sell components to customers. Everything has been about sort of what's been missing in our mind in additive manufacturing is something that can be cost competitive with traditional manufacturing, uh, as well as scale, right? Um, at a lot of additive processes think in grams, and the aluminum industry works in hundreds, if not thousands of tons. So that's orders of magnitude difference in scale. And so from the beginning, cost and scale really drove uh, everything that we thought about building an alloy. Okay, so can you um, talk us through the development of the the alloy technology, um, selective diffusion bonding, and tell us as much as you can about how the the process works? Yeah, no, thanks for asking. Okay, so uh, when we took a deep dive into the market, different technologies, uh, we decided fundamentally that we had to move away from powder. Uh, Aluminum powder is an explosion hazard. Uh, You can make bombs uh, and rocket fuel out of it. And um, it's incredibly expensive. A high strength aluminum alloy can be 60 times the commodity price um, in powder, uh, the 60 times the commodity price of aluminum. That, that we fundamentally think that's just not a tenable starting point for a competitive, scalable manufacturing process. So the first thing we did was move from powders, jump to a cr- over wire, and, and went straight to sheet, uh, taking some inspiration from laminate object manufacturing back in the day when people were making, you know, paper printers. We took this technology a step further. We've developed a, a novel sheet um, alloys, and um, have that manufactured already at scale in like ten ton runs uh, with with our supplier base. And then, um, then the question is, you know, how do you make complex aluminum parts, right? Because that's the benefits of additive, right? On-demand, complex components, no tooling, shorten the lead time, all those benefits, but just saying, hey, we need to do it at cost and scale. And so uh, basically the process is, uh, the first machine in the process has a laser cutter, cut the perimeter of the part, we put something onto the surface and sele- of these sheets in select areas, that's gonna act like a mold release or an interface layer stack up the sheets in a registered way. 
um, that uh, onto a caddy. The caddy comes out of the first machine, goes into the second. Heat, pressure, controlled atmosphere, and we're bonding metal to metal um, in the process. We then go through standard heat, industry standard heat treatments. Um, the end result is a part uh, that's 6061, fully dense, and hits the material properties of rot 6061 as if you were to machine it. So you've got some, uh, some zero porosity, um, some significant material um, properties advantages compared to casting uh, in other 3D printing processes. Mm -hmm. Um, and and uh, but still a, a complex aluminum component. So is sixty sixty one the the only aluminium uh, aluminium grade that you're you're working with or able to work with, or are there there more kind of on the roadmap? That's a good question. So sixty sixty one is our first alloy. Um, with it, we believe that we can address the the entire aluminum casting industry. Um, right. So the aluminum casting market is seventy five billion dollars globally. Medium volume makes up 18 billion of that, 40% of which is here in the US uh, by dollar value. And uh, we have superior, with 6061, superior material properties to casting um, mm. in, in uh, every uh, relevant way. And so we think that's a, that's a great starting point. We also have loved introducing uh, or, or explaining to our customers you know, that, that we have 6061. And the benefit there in terms of reducing the barriers to adoption in that hey, this is an alloy or material you're familiar with, you've used before, you don't have to do extensive R&D studies on this. Um, you know, we can show you the grain structure and the material properties that you're used to seeing um, from machined parts. Mm. So that's what we, uh, but uh, yeah, other aluminum alloys or other, uh, the technology is capable of making other alloys, but for now we're really staying focused on getting that 6061 product offering to the market at scale for our customers. Okay. I, um, when I was reading about the, <clears throat> the process and how it works on, on the alloy enterprise um, website, there was mention of um, a, an inhibiting agent for the support structures um, to you know, build supports and then they remove post-build about specialized tools. So can you explain those, those, those stages of the process that affect the support structures? Yeah, good question. So the way that our um, parts are built up in the, uh, you know, sort of in the build volume, inherently the negative space around the packed parts uh, creates the support material that we need. And after the bonding process, we easily remove that support material um, right now in a semi-automated way. Um, and really important, especially in the aluminum industry, all of that scrap has been designed to retain its value um, and can go back to the mill to be easily reused. So you can't do that with powder um, in the same way. And so you end up generating this incredible amount of waste. Our, so our process has been designed um, to take advantage of that reverse supply chain in aluminum. Mm. And in, in addition to any removal of support structures, what, what other post-processing steps would typically be required for, for parts built with your process? We sell a lot of our parts to customers without any post-processing. Okay. Um, and so, you know, it, it, with the effort of moving forward with reducing costs, um, that's been uh, like a main mantra of ours, you know, reducing the amount of post-processing. Mm -hmm. We do have some, uh, for some customers, you know, uh, tapping a hole um, uh, is an example of something that, you know, a limit of our technology uh, if needed. Um, but yeah, we're we're working with a lot of customers where we deliver the parts as is straight out of the, the our additive process.
You um you you talked about earlier the I guess the market potential of of your technology and the impact it can it can have. What would you see as the the, the kind of key capabilities of this technology and I guess the potential benefits that users would be able to take advantage of using your process as opposed to a more traditional manufacturing technology? Right. Yeah. So. The benefits are similar to the benefits that additive manufacturing or 3D printing have been talking about for, for quite some time. But with the ability here, with the, the ability to scale, to get to higher throughput, um, have that capacity, that flexible capacity, and being able to hit a, a, a much more competitive price point. Mm-hmm. And so with that, the benefits that additive ha- has been you know, talking about and achieving with incredible technological advancement for years, complex components, right? Being able to do mass part consolidation, light weighting, right? get rid of the tooling, reduce the lead time, being able to iterate and change your design. So grabbing those benefits and saying, yeah, yeah, we can achieve those. And, you know, for the first time hitting uh, a price and, and, and scale. Mm. And in terms of the, the business model, can you explain the, I guess, the considerations made in terms of whether to come to market selling parts and being a part supplier as opposed to building machines and, and selling the machines to customers? Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. So, and, and certainly one we've spent a lot of time here working with our customers on to carefully craft here at Alloy. So um, I think at the end of the day, uh, when we take a look at, at metal additive, um, the machines are expensive. Um, there's a lot that goes into the the cost of the machines and they need to be utilized. Mm-hmm. So shipping those machines to customers and having them run sort of R&D volumes a part or two a day, um, it's really hard to justify and get a good ROI for the customer. Um, in, in plastic or polymer 3D printing, it makes a lot more sense, right? especially those technologies are substantially more developed uh, than where we are with metal additive today. The other thing is, as a sort of second generation here um, for additive or 3D printing, you know, customers have have already have already tried additive. They've already tried 3D printing. And to be honest, it's pretty difficult to learn how to run a machine, an entirely new manufacturing process to design parts for it and to take on a significant amount of risk. So because of where we're coming from a time point perspective in the, the evolution of additive, we felt it was really important to come to our customers and say, hey, listen, we're going to prove to you that this works. We believe enough that this works, that we'll make the parts ourselves and ship you the parts that meet your requirements, your tolerances and needs, as opposed to, hey, here's a machine. Now you need to take on the risk for ensuring that you get that ROI. So we felt that was pretty important. Also, you consider you know, the first 10 machines um, on a, a new process out of, out of a startup would you rather have those first 10 machines being run by 10 customers in 10 facilities and you're teaching them how to do metallurgy in essentially real time? Or would you rather have those 10 machines under one roof run by your employees who have developed that technology um, and are intimately aware of what the customer's needs are and shipping the components that meet the quality specifications of the customer? And so we think that based on where we are in the evolution of additive, the needs of the customers, as well as thinking about, hey, we need to get more parts off of these machines. Um, and that's fundamentally equipment efficiency is a really big part of additive and additive cost. You need to be running the machines. Uh, and it's easiest to do that under one roof, uh, at least to start. And how how much more palatable is it for a, 
a customer to kind of adopt and embrace a new way of doing things and a new manufacturing technology when you know they don't need to take on the the expertise themselves the expert they can rely on you as the expert there's no capex or you know less less money invested involved how much easier is it to kind of encourage that adoption and integration of a new technology well i think you just hit you you might have sort of answered your own question there (laughs) sam (laughs) right i mean uh it's as easy as as someone in purchasing or manufacturing or design engineer saying hey here's a print uh or here's a here's an stl um uh, can you quote it and um it's not a high level uh, executive level sign off and uh, you know we can uh quote uh Turnaround can be as short as 24 hours, uh, and we can quote components and, and get samples out first article relatively quickly. So um, the the barrier to adoption is is relatively low here. Mm. And in terms of your customers, it's been mentioned on your on your website that within a year of setting up the company, that parts are being made for for customers. So what are you able to tell us about the parts that have been manufactured so far? and the the kind of companies that they've been manufactured for? What kind of industries are they operating in? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was two years from invention uh, in, you know, Nick's basement invention to shipping Mm -hmm. parts, uh, uh, selling parts to a Fortune 100 manufacturer. So we moved incredibly proud of all the work that the teams put in uh, and their accomplishments uh, in terms of getting to market as quickly as we have. Um, so in terms of the types of customers, we can't release the names of our customers specifically right now. Um, but yeah, we do have uh, customers across all three of those verticals, right? So electric uh, vehicles, right? Industrial equipment, as well as heavy equipment. And so uh, Fortune 500 manufacturers in all three of those verticals um, and, you know, going through qualification um, and into production purchase orders here as we build out our capacity uh, following the Series A. Okay. Um, one of the reasons we're, we're speaking today, Ali, is the announcement this week um, that Alloy Enterprises has raised um, an additional $26 million as part of a Series A round, um, which, you know, is going to allow you you guys to, to ramp up the, you know, what you're doing. So can you tell us a little bit more about, about the scale up and I guess what the next few months have in store for the company? Yeah, so pretty exciting stuff uh, in terms of our, our ability to really ramp here and, and scale. So first of all, we're very happy with the partners that we have, the investors that we've brought to the table here, um, really familiar with the space and industrial manufacturing, um, and so excited to, to be working with them. And then, yeah, what will we do uh, in terms of how will we be thinking about scaling in the next couple of months, hiring uh, across the board? We need more people in here. Um, everything, uh, technicians and operators on the manufacturing line, um, all the way up to uh, a leadership, um, more manufacturing engineers building out our sales and marketing team. Uh, so really excited for, for the team's been hungry for, for adding more people and more resources. And uh, it's a great time for hiring. Uh, right now. And so very excited to be building out the team and focusing a lot on that in the next uh, few months here, as well, bringing online additional capacity. So more machines, we've moved to a new facility. Uh, so our headquarters about four months ago, our headquarters is now here in Burlington and we'll stay here. Um, and so have the space now to really expand um, and build out our production capacity. Mm-hmm. And I understand, you know, things like software and automation are, are going to be a big focus too. So can you tell us a little bit more about how enhancements in, in those two areas will, will kind of, you know, boost the, the 
the uh, capabilities of, of your technology? Yeah, so we built out our own custom slicer, uh, which was required. Our processes, additive process is different enough from other um, existing additive and 3D printing uh, processes. So built out our own custom slicer. And um, yeah, so have the ability to you know, make these complex parts uh, and uh, also provide you know, feedback to customers um, uh, on you know, the design or design for manufacturability of those components. Uh, but then, yeah, automation uh, and reducing touch time in our process. And so mm -hmm. we shipped those parts very early on. Um, and uh, some of our steps had to be manual in order to do that. And so to, with a very data-driven approach, looking at software and automation solutions uh, wherever possible in order to you know, reduce the amount of touch time, increase our throughput. Uh, so that's going to be a big part of our, uh, of our scaling uh, plan here moving forward. And, and with all of that accomplished, what what do you see as the kind of long-term impact that uh, Alloy Enterprises and the selective diffusion bonding technology can have? And I guess what's the the overriding vision for the for the company as you as you move forward? Yeah, so uh, I mean, we want to be the the backbone for aluminum additive manufacturing uh, here in the here in the U.S. Um, and uh, Aluminum will be part of the electrification of everything that moves. Uh, the amount of aluminum in passenger vehicles is up 550% over the last 50 years. And obviously we've seen the electrification that's happening in passenger vehicles, heavy duty truck, electric aircraft, your lawnmower, everything that moves is gonna need to be electrified. And aluminum with twice the strength to weight ratio of steel um, and the ability to be infinitely recyclable will be part of that journey for all of these systems across the transportation sector. So we intend to be part of the electrification journey um, across the transportation sector.